Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, July 13th, and this is your FT News Briefing. We've got more details of David Cameron's relationship with Greensill Capital, and U.S. banks report their latest earnings this week. J.P. Morgan Chief Executive Jamie Dimon said it was the best quarter ever for investment banking, but what about lending? Plus, the European Central Bank plans to focus on climate change. The president of the ECB spoke to the FT's Martin Arnold. Christine Lagarde has really made this a personal objective and campaign to drive climate change high up the agenda of the ECB. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Former UK Prime Minister David Cameron received a salary of more than a million dollars from Greensill Capital. That's according to FT sources. Greensill is the supply chain finance company that unraveled earlier this year. Cameron joined the firm in 2018 as a part-time advisor, and he used his political capital to try and secure government funds for Greensill. After the lobbying scandal was exposed, Cameron told British lawmakers as part of an investigation that Greensill paid him far more than he earned as prime minister, but he didn't say how much. Now, FT sources say his contract with Greensill to work 25 days a year means he earned a little more than $40,000 a day. Big U.S. banks announced second quarter earnings this week with J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs out with their numbers today. According to one industry forecast, average quarterly earnings per share are expected to jump more than 100%. But the big profits aren't coming from the traditional business of lending, and banks will likely face tough questions about that. The FT's Imani Moise has got some answers. She joins me now. Hey, Imani. Hi, Mark. So what likely drove earnings this past quarter, if, if not lending? One of the big drivers this quarter was definitely investment banking. Uh, about a month ago, Jamie Dimon was at a conference and he said it was probably the best quarter for investment banking ever. And what's happening there is you're seeing a whole bunch of companies with a whole bunch of liquidity because of the, some of the stimulus programs. And they have these really healthy balance sheets and they're hungry for growth. And really the best way to do that is to buy something. Um, and there's also the SPAC boom. So that's helping bank profits out a lot this quarter. So, Imani, what's happening when it comes to lending? So, what's going on with lending is that the banks really, really want to lend out some of the excess liquidity that they've accumulated on their balance sheets, right? Because all of the stimulus programs have largely ended up back with the banks. And banks make money by lending out deposits and charging people for borrowing. And not there, there hasn't been much of an appetite for borrowing these days, mostly because of those stimulus programs, which have kept consumers afloat, given corporations access to a lot of cheap capital. So there's not a lot of reasons for people to borrow right now. So what we're hearing quarter after quarter is that banks keep pushing out the timeline that they expect borrowing levels to return to pre-pandemic levels. So that's something that everyone, investors, analysts is going to be watching out for very, very closely in bank, bank results this quarter. Now, aside from lending, what else are you keeping your eye out for this, this earnings season, Amani? Right. So I think this season, 
everyone is very much focused on reopening, right? And it, it's, it's gone from theoretical to right now. So I'd be really keen to listen out for if any executives can provide any updates on their reopening plans when it comes to branch counts. Are they going to consolidate any branches uh, or not open as many as they previously said they were going to open just because of the way so much has started to happen digitally? So has that impacted any of their real estate decisions or anything like that? Amani Moise is the FT's U.S. banking correspondent. The European Central Bank will start taking into account climate change when making policy decisions. That's according to the ECB's president, Christine Lagarde. Lagarde spoke to the FT's Frankfurt bureau chief, Martin Arnold, recently about the shift into the bank's priorities. And Martin joins me now. Hi, Martin. Hi, Mark. Martin, Lagarde told you that at the recent meeting she was in, from what she heard from other governors, the top priority was climate. And I want to play a clip of what she said to you. Key concerns revolved around, number one, climate change. Why aren't you doing more about climate change? Why are you financing some segments of the corporate sector, some segments of the corporate sector that are not respecting the commitments of the Paris Accord or that have no concern for the planet? That we heard loud and clear. How big a deal is this shift to climate change, Martin? So let me just explain those concerns that Lagarde's referring to came up as part of an ECB scheme of events that took place through the review. Lots of public consultations canvassing public opinion on their monetary policy. And climate change, as she said, was the number one concern. And the reason for that, Mark, is because climate change is affecting everything and is expected to become a, a much bigger factor in things like prices, in things like economic activity, and also financial risk for the banking system and for asset prices. Climate is going to affect all of these things much more. And the central bank can just no longer ignore these things and needs to take them into account. Right. And I actually want to talk to you a little bit about specifics. Um, What did Lagarde tell you about how the European Central Bank is responding to these concerns? Are, Are there significant policy changes in the works? Oh, there are. And they range from the ECB is going to be stress testing its own exposure to the climate, also stress testing the banks that it supervises. It's going to be updating all of its economic modeling to take account of of the impact of climate change. It's also going to be crucially adapting its own asset purchases and its collateral schemes, the, the trillions of euros of assets that it accepts as collateral against loans that it provides. All of those are going to be changed and adapted to take account of the risks of climate change. And I want to play this clip from your conversation with Lagarde that talks about how the ECB will work with banks themselves. The analytical work that we do has to factor in climate change in a much deeper and better way. The advising that we give, in particular in the supervision arm of the ECB, has to embed Uh, climate change concerns and alert the banks with which we work to the risks that they are facing. How does the ECB compare to other central banks when it comes to prioritizing climate change? So Christine Lagarde has really made this a personal objective and campaign to drive climate change high up the agenda of the ECB. But it's happening at lots of other central banks. And just give you two examples of that. 
The Bank of England is actually further ahead than the ECB, I would say. The British government has changed the mandate of the Bank of England to make it consider climate change in its asset purchases and its other operations. That is a really significant change. And the Bank of England is doing a, a climate stress test of the British banks this year. So they're ahead of the ECB a bit. And other central banks are catching up. For instance, the Bank of Japan uh, is this month expected to detail how it's going to be launching a program of subsidized loans to financial institutions that meet certain green lending criteria. So the Fed is becoming much more active on this as well. And, you know, central banks know that they can only do so much. They rely on policymakers and politicians and other uh, standard setters like rating agencies. And Lagarde talked about that to me in, in the interview I did with her. We have to be also together with these others at the forefront and not three steps behind. And if we signal that strongly enough, then we certainly operate as a catalyst force. That was Christine Lagarde, president of the European Central Bank. She spoke with the FT's Frankfurt bureau chief, Martin Arnold. Before we go, some tough news for coffee drinkers. Your morning cup of joe is probably going to get more expensive. Coffee bean prices are jumping higher, and a big reason for this is that the world's leading coffee bean producer, Brazil, has been hit by the worst drought in a century. That's led to a supply shortfall, and last month, future prices for Arabica beans, the kind grown in Brazil, shot up to a four-and-a-half-year high. Higher prices haven't dripped down to consumers yet. Roasters and coffee buyers purchase their beans anywhere between three and nine months in advance, so they've locked in lower prices. In their next contracts, though, they'll have to swallow the bitter taste of higher prices, and then they may have to pass that on to consumers. But before you get too jittery, take the advice from one commodity strategy expert who said, just drink it and enjoy it. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.